of God's word, I would love to pray. So please bow your heads and join with me. Dear God, thank you uh, that you are powerful. And thank you that we see Jesus' power in this passage tonight. Help us to unpack it, to learn from it well, uh, so that we can grow as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I live in a place that when I tell people who aren't Hawkesbury locals, uh, they don't recognize it. It's called Glossodia. Uh, does anybody here know Glossodia? Yeah, a bunch of people, which is great. Because uh, I just say that word like it's perfectly normal. Uh, is that mic doing weird things out there? Let's, let's try this one. Is this one any better? A little bit? Okay. Oh, mysterious. Let's put this one down here and see what happens, whether that's better. Oh, you solved the problem. Wonderful. Uh, I live in Glossodia. It's got a weird name, but that's not why I'm telling you that. Uh, it's a nice place to live. Uh, it's reasonably nice. Uh, lots of nature, lots of trees, and that's usually a good thing. Uh, until times like last weekend, when there was a massive storm that blew through Glossodia. Did anyone get hit by that massive storm a week ago? Yeah. Storms can be terrifying. And in Glossodia, this, the rain and the wind was so bad that there were trees falling down left and right. There were branches going everywhere, thunder and lightning in a very short space of time. A couple of houses up from me, uh, they had a tree go through their whole house. My next door neighbor's garage doors, like a roller door, got ripped clean off. Uh, we nearly lost our clothesline. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't get broken. Uh, chaos, right? A powerful storm. And storms are frightening things because we can't control them. And they have so much power. We sometimes don't think about it, but they can disrupt our lives so much without us being able to do a thing. This term and next, uh, for those of you that haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we're looking at Jesus in the book of Mark. Mark tells us that he's recorded the good news about this man named Jesus. And he tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. And tonight, in these two stories, one involving a storm, one involving a man, we see Jesus' power. And that's what Mark wants us to see. He wants us to see Jesus' power. Last week we read at the beginning of Mark chapter 4 of Jesus preaching to a crowd by a lake. After preaching, Jesus says to his disciples, Come on, guys, let's go to the other side of this lake. And they, they get busy making that happen. They get in a boat. I just hit my step goal for the day. They get in a boat, and they start traveling across to the other side. And just like what hit Glossodia last week, they were struck by a massive storm. Things start to go wrong. A huge storm comes up. The waves are huge. The wind and the rain is howling, and they're afraid. They're scared. And you might think, okay, maybe they've never been on the water before. Some of these guys were fishermen. They lived on the water. This was what they were used to day in, day out. And it was bad enough that they were scared for their lives. And so they turn to this guy who they're following, this guy named Jesus, and he's asleep in the front of the boat. And so they wake him up and they go, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And in the face of their panic, their fear, their terror at the situation, Jesus calmly gets up and he says, quiet, be still. Uh, which is a, a crazy thing to say. 
right? Like that, that makes very little sense. Uh, last weekend, if while there were branches blowing around all over the place, I walked outside my house and went, shush, to the wind, would that have been a sane thing to do? No, right? That's crazy. But something even crazier happens. And that's that Jesus says, quiet, and the storm stops. The wind dies. And Mark makes a point of stressing that it is completely calm. Because even if the wind had stopped, there would still be waves. The boat would still be rocking. But rather, Jesus gets up and says, zip, and it's still. And everyone's just standing around, <laughs> quiet. From panic and fear to quiet. And what do the disciples do? What do these men do after Jesus has just done this crazy thing? Do they bow down and worship him? No. Uh, the disciples look at Jesus and it says in 441, they were still terrified. And they ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who does that? Who talks like that? And Mark intentionally leaves us with that question. Who does that, right? Who has the power over the sea? And if you know anything about your Old Testament or you spend some time in it, uh, we see pretty clearly that we're meant to know the answer, right? Most ancient cultures knew the answer, and the answer is God. An entity beyond our control controls the sea. In Psalm 89, it says, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. And that's terrifying. Because if only God can calm the sea, what does this moment say about Jesus? It says that he's God. Because he's doing something that only God can do. And he doesn't need to say magic words. He doesn't need to say... In, in God's name, wind, please stop. He just does it. He just says, quiet. Shh. And it stops. And what this does is it eliminates the possibility for the disciples of listening to this man and then deciding for themselves whether or not what he has to say works for them. Because this guy has been telling them how the world works. And then suddenly he's got up and said to the wind, stop. And it stopped. So what he has to say has merit, regardless of whether they want to accept it or not. When someone says, I am Lord and King, I rule the world, and then controls nature, that person is Lord and King, whether or not we like it. Jesus here leaves no room for him not to be the king of you and me. Because a true king, someone with power, has that power whether we want it or not, right? I can't wake up tomorrow and decide that the prime minister has no power over me. I can't make that decision because he has power albeit it's limited, but he has it. And the disciples, they see this. They were terrified of the waves. 
the storm. They could not control it. But Jesus controls the uncontrollable. And that's even scarier. Mankind for years has been terrified of the ocean. But there's only, thing one, there's only one thing scarier than the ocean. And it's that guy that just told it to be still. Someone with that level of power is scary. And it's scary because he has power whether we like it or not. And with that kind of power, if he says he's Lord and King of my life, if he tells me to do something and he really wants to make me, there is nothing I can do to stop it. And that goes against what we feel comfortable with. I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't necessarily like the idea of someone telling me what to do, right? Like your parents say, you might have been standing there folding your clothes perfectly happy, and your parents go, oi, clean your room, put your clothes away. And suddenly, what do you not want to do? Right? You don't want to put your clothes away, right? You want to just leave them there, just out of spite almost, because we don't like being controlled. We don't like the idea of someone else having control of our life, but that's what Jesus' power here demands. And if the idea of Jesus being in control scares you, hang tight for the next story. Because the only thing that makes it not scary is knowing what Jesus uses his power for. Because someone having power and authority is scary if that person isn't going to use it for your good. If that person's going to use their power to hurt you and you ha there's nothing you can do about it, then that's a bad thing. But as we're going to see in the next story, that's not what Jesus does. Eventually, Jesus and his disciples do make it to the other side of the lake. I imagine when the wind stops, they're probably going to have to start rowing. Uh, so that might have been a little bit exhausting. Uh, as they're getting off the boat, though, we are told about this man that starts approaching them who's coming from the tombs, from the place where they put dead bodies, essentially from unclean places. A man who we're told is possessed by evil spirits. This man is an outcast. He's in pain. He's rejected by others. He is unclean. The word originally translated means defiled by sin. Bad things, living with dead things. He is in a bad place. He is as, as far from holy as you can be. And we see a confrontation where he is making his way towards one who is holy, towards Jesus. We have an unholy man and a holy man approaching each other. And we're told that this unholy guy has some power. He's strong enough to break chains. And so you might be expecting a confrontation as they're approaching one another, them to whip out lightsabers and start battling each other or to pull out wands and the power to clash in the middle and push them both back. But that's not what happens when good comes up against evil here. When the man reaches Jesus, he falls on his knees in front of him he cries out and begs for Jesus not to hurt him. There isn't a jewel or a clash of wills. The man just falls down and the demons in him surrender to Jesus. And I think in this man, Mark is trying to hold up to us a mirror. 
Because in the wind and waves, Jesus showed he has power over what is seen. But here, we see Jesus has power over the unseen world as well. And for those of you who can do maths, uh, seen things plus unseen things equals everything. And for some of you, you feel the situation that this man is in quite deeply. That he's an outcast. That he feels defiled by his sin. Dirty. So far away from hope that there's nothing left. Nothing can bind him anymore. Some of you, you feel that. He's lost, cut off, alone, spiraling in sin because of the demons in him. Spiraling in a way of life which we, we don't know his situation. We don't know how he got here. We don't know whether he dabbled in something he shouldn't have and it led him somewhere where he could no longer turn back. We don't know whether this situation was thrust upon him. But for all of us, this is our life without Jesus. A prophet in the Old Testament named Isaiah, when speaking of the person who would appear to save God's people, the Messiah, the King who saves, said, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Which is a very hard verse to say without adding some sheep noises in there. And Paul in Romans tells us that the cost of that, the cost of living our own way, is death. For the wages of sin, in other words, what you deserve to get when you sin, when you rebel against God, is death. But Jesus, when confronted with this man, doesn't condemn him for his situation. He doesn't send him away. No, he pulls him out of that darkness. He calms the internal storm in this man's life. Jesus has power over the wind and the waves, and that's big. But even bigger is that Jesus uses that power to reach into the life of this man and make him whole again. The people around them freak out. The evil spirits leaving this man and going into some pigs and jumping off a cliff. Fair enough, that would be pretty wild. Uh, I'm not going to tell you about the pigs. You can ask your leaders if you want and they'll have a crack at giving you an answer. Um, and so they go and get more people and they come back and they're shocked. Like they, they, they're like, oh, all our pigs are dead. And they run off and then they come back and they're like, oh! Because they see this man that they knew as unclean, broken, and enslaved. And he's just sitting there, minding his own business, clothed in his right mind. And I just want to pause there with those two ideas about the power of Jesus. Because I think that's enough for us to stew on for tonight. Um, because you need to consider, to seriously think about what the power of Jesus means in your life. Because if true, right, if Jesus has this kind of power, power we can only imagine, if that's the case, I don't know about you, but I really want him to use that power for my good. I don't want to be the wind and waves that are being calmed, right? I want to be the person benefiting from that. And spoiler alert, that's what Jesus does. Right? There's not really any spoilers in the Bible. Uh, 
to ruin it for you if you're reading along and you haven't got to the kind of halfway point of the New Testament yet, is that Jesus dies, right? And those two verses I mentioned earlier in Isaiah and Romans, they have a back end to them. Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray, wandered off. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The sin of everyone is laid on Jesus. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but, how good is a but in that sentence, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The very reason that Jesus was on this earth 2,000 years ago, the very reason that Mark records this book for us is so we know that Jesus used his power, his perfection, to pay the price for your sin. To reach into your life and pull you out of the darkness. To calm the storm of sin in your life. But there remains a question. Are you going to let him do that? It's not hard. The unclean man did not free himself from the bondage to those demons. He approached Jesus and let it happen. He came to Jesus begging for mercy, and Jesus gave it. If we want to be saved by the power of Jesus, friends, we, we need to accept him. Don't get me wrong, he is king regardless of whether or not you do. His power does not change if you don't accept him. But he's a gracious king. And there's a group of people in this story tonight that don't want anything to do with the power of Jesus. The locals in the land where the unclean man is, they see the result of Jesus' power, right? They see the amazing force for good that it is in the life of this man. They see the positive impact of it. And they're like, wow, he has so much power. But they ask Jesus to leave. Perhaps they don't want to lose any more of their pigs. Perhaps they're afraid of Jesus turning that power on them. But they push him away. And Jesus goes. When pushed away, Jesus goes. He came to this earth to live a perfect life, fulfill the promises of the Old Testament. The word testament means promise. To fulfill the old promises and to start new ones, new promises in the New Testament, and to save humanity. We just need to accept that gift. Don't be like the locals in the land that see the power of Jesus. Acknowledge he has it and then push him out of their lives. Don't do it. Instead, let's be like the man who accepted him, begged for mercy even, and let Jesus deal with the storm inside. We're going to break down into our response groups, and we're going to chat about that and read a little bit more of those passages in detail. Uh, but I would love to pray, and if you agree with what I pray, please feel free to say amen at the end. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus into this world with power. Thank you that he is God and he is King. 
Help us to know that he has power over us. And thank you that he uses that power for our good, to take away the sin in our lives. Lord, please calm the storm in our life. Please remove sin from us. Help us to flee from it. Lord, reach into our lives. Pull us out of the darkness and into the light that brings life that is your Son, Jesus. In his powerful name we pray. Amen.